Welcome to a football show, Victory Monday edition here on the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Sickers Beverages and a Kingston Group. D. Good in the comments already. His name is Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. And yes, that's right, Zach, a Victory Monday. Haven't had too many of those, but we've got one today. Hope everybody had a wonderful and amazing and spectacular Thanksgiving, of course. We've got a lot to get to, as D. Good already mentions. Bring on the bad rumors. We are going to talk about the rumors, all the things that have been floating around uh, that continue to float around Mike Vrabel and the Patriots uh, and the future. Of course, we'll break down the win over the Panthers. What does it actually mean uh, when you beat the worst team in football who fired its coach the very next day um, or that night, I guess? I don't remember exactly when it happened. I'm pretty sure David Tepper decided as he left the stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's that true. Um, and, and I've got one like overarching take and then we'll get into Jalen Duncan and Will Levis and a few other things. So we'll have a lot of stuff to discuss today on the show. There's like a a shit ton of drama in the sec as well. We have two new coaches, uh, one of the wildest and most bonkers finishes in the history of the iron bowl. And that's saying something for that rivalry, uh, Tennessee fans, I think have missed the point completely the volunteers. So we've just got a boatload of stuff to get to today on the show. Uh, of course, brought to you by our great friends, sinkers, beverages and a King in the Kingston group. And one quick note, Zach, I, I failed to mention this. I do not know why epic failure on my part, but congratulations to sinkers for back to back championships on being named best of liquor store in the city of Nashville. I don't know how I missed that. I forget. You, you I didn't miss it. I continue to forget to, to, to mention it. Uh, but 2023, I kept saying it and I don't, I kept saying 2022 and I kept not implying 2023 as well. So I apologize to sinkers. Oh, you, you, you guys you deserve did it. did not. You've had several episodes and we talked about John Cena, Ric Flair. We've made comments uh, about it. So you don't worry. Don't worry. Your pretty little head. You uh, well, th- th- thank you. <laughs> I am handsome. Uh, also pretty boy Kelly in the comments as well. Stoops t- tried jumping ship and came crawling back to UK. I'm not sure that's exactly what happened. Uh, so, so we'll discuss some of those things. Just, just, just drama everywhere. So let's start, let's start with the, and, and Kingston group buildkg.com. You guys know the deal. We'll tell you guys about them a little bit more. Uh, so, all right. Uh, do you want to try to lay out just quickly the cliff notes? Try. I can do it. I wrote a whole freaking article in stock in the inbox.com <laughs> about both sets of rumors, what they mean, what the takeaways are, what was said, what wasn't said over 2,400 words. It got released like just about an hour ago. Cause I had some actual real life stuff to do. So <laughs> I broke it down because we've talked about it on the show in starting on October 16th, you alluded to, there being some tension between Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel. Now you've alluded to me behind the scenes. If I can, you know, pull behind the curtain a couple of weeks before that, but you went, you, you threw it out there first. That's show. And then about a week later, we went full on big discussion into it. Allegedly this allegedly that I'm just saying, you know, stuff like that. Then not a few days later after that episode, Jason Fitz goes on Jared Stillman. He says some stuff that echoes from the national side that echoes exactly what you have heard and said. Charles Robinson, a couple days later, (laughs) kind of alluded to other stuff. And now we have Diana Rossini, Greg Bedard joining in. And just real quick, Diana Rossini reported on November 23rd. uh, This is her quote from her article at TheAthletic.com. Frustrated New England Patriots fans can stop hoping owner Robert Kraft will trade with Tennessee and replace head coach Bill Belichick with his former player, Mike Vrabel. It's not happening. Angry Tennessee Titans fans can stop hoping owner Amy Adams Strunk fires Vrabel. It's not happening. Based on multiple conversations, 
with high-ranking Titans officials. The franchise strongly and collectively believes that it has the right coach for long-term success. And that's what it says right there. And it just, for whatever reason, just logged me out. Weirdly, <laughs> good job, athletic.com on that. Uh, and then it goes in and talks about some other stuff. But those are the main talking points on that one. Yep. And there, then there's last a night. Okay, quickly, there's a Boston, there's a Boston Globe article in there as well. Somewhere, I think before the 23rd, about basically that the Patriots dream dream option to replace yes. Belichick. That was so according to Lynn or whatever. Yeah, according to sources. And to be to be clear, I've kind of danced around it. I, I got my information at training camp. So I I, yeah. I sort of alluded to this even before. I don't know when Jared Stillman, pretty boy, started reporting this for months, but we we've kind of alluded to this since the beginning of the season. And he's there's, a, there's, he, Stillman started after us. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, but I, but then, mean, I, I watched the show and I, I just I literally just laid out the dates of yeah. this actually starting. Yeah. And what's funny is I was only asking you for like this weekend <laughs> and you and well, you gave I, me the I whole I thing. I got some more to get to. So, but, so finish uh, us, yeah, but you're up. right. Ben Voilin or Violin. I don't know how you say his last name, but he writes for the Boston Globe. He talked about that. He was the number one choice. And this kind of played off the uh, Vrabel going to accept the ring of honor and all that kind of stuff. And then last night it was brought to my attention that um, it, it was it wasn't the whole thing that I tweeted. But Greg Bedard of the Boston Sport, Sports Journal, who PK Paul Karski said today is very reputable. Now there are yes. people that are like saying that he's not reputable, but here's what I know. Greg Bedard has been covering the Patriots since 2010, since Mike Vrabel at least was a player then. Uh, so he's kind of ingrained. This is what that says. And there's a lot to unpack in this. Many believe that Vrabel was put in the position of being a strong head coach and won the hiring of Rand Carthon as GM. That is incorrect. That was a shotgun marriage by ownership. NFL sources believe the league had a heavy hand, heavy hand, in owner Amy Adams drunk hiring Carthon, a top minority candidate. Vrabel and Carthon had no previous relationship, and it's believed that they don't have much of one now. There have been issues with Carthon's job performance, even back to his 49ers day, which I take issue with that, but that's something else entirely sure. about sure. this whole thing. League sources believe that Vrabel could be looking for a way to force his way out of Tennessee after the season, and the Patriots would be an obvious landing spot, if not the front runner. Could the Crafts trade Bill? Could the Crafts trade Belichick to the Commanders, Chargers, or Panthers, and then secure Vrabel? It's not out of the realm of possibility. So there's a lot to unpack that I want to talk about about this because I know you kind of said like, oh, we just need to have a surface level conversation. I don't oh, think okay. there is a surface level conversation okay. to be had. <laughs> well, okay, I like that idea. Let's do that. I yeah. want to add one more piece of context, which is in the top of that article. He Greg Bedard, who is absolutely a reputable source in this business, and it, it basically said he's talked to five different front off source, sources that indicate that they all believe that Gerard Mayo is going to be the next head coach of the Patriots. That that is the most likely scenario. So that is yeah. an important piece of context in that article. That if you just clip the comments about Vrabel and Carthon, you may have missed. But you're stacking yeah. the inbox.com worth the price of admission for just this article alone. Well, I mean, there's so much that as I was writing this article and giving stuff that popped into my head and then I started making connections and I've really stressed Stoney out over because we started talking about this last night and I've really stressed Stoney out. So I basically I'm not reporting anything. I'm just taking what is I'm connecting dots, right? Like 
I've, I've heard from you. I've heard from Jason. I've heard from Greg Bedard, Diana Rossini, uh, Charles Robinson. Now we've heard, I've heard from a few other people since, you know, posting that X out there on uh, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it, which I basically, I put all this stuff together from yeah. uh, people more in tuned with the NFL and it, with the Titans than I am. It, it is like the basement episode. It's like the basement seasons of the wire where like all the red string and the pictures are attached on the wall somewhere in your house. Yes. Like you've got that. Yeah, I have a murder board. Like <laughs> essentially a murder board is up there. So I kind of want to, I'm going to not go in as deep detailed as I did on stackinginbox.com, which I go into, like I said, over two, 24, 2,500 words of detail on this. But I do want to hit some of the points. I think the, the biggest thing, and it didn't hit me until I was actually writing the article, because me and Stoney were talking about, like, well, who benefits from this and who benefits from that? And Mo it doesn't really make sense. Motivation right. is an incredibly important thing to consider when looking at sourced leaks and information. Incredibly important. Because on the surface, the Diana Rossini report and the Greg Bedard report conflict, right? On the surface, when you're initially reading them, well, it's not happening from over here on Diana Rossini's side, but over on this side, he's looking for, Vrabel's looking for a way out. I don't think they conflict. And here's why. We know Diana Rossini is her main source for the Titans is either someone in Vrabel's circle of trust or Vrabel, allegedly. Okay. Alleg allegedly. allegedly. In my opinion. Allegedly Vrabel or someone inside <laughs> Vrabel's circle of trust. Right. So she puts out there, it's not happening. Greg Bedard puts out there that Vrabel's looking for a way out. Well, Vrabel's looking for a way out and looking to force a trade and has told the Titans that he is wanting to be traded to the Patriots, what better way to drive up the price for the Tennessee Titans to get what they feel they need to let Vrabel go to the Patriots than put out a report or get a report to one of his most trusted national media sources in Diana Rossini. I don't necessarily think that these two reports conflict with each other. If you look at it from the connecting of the dots of yeah. who's saying what, when is it being said, who does it benefit? No, and not even in one way. I'll lay it out for you even further. There's another way that they can, that they are completely aligned potentially. And in fact, it could actually be a really good thing for the Tennessee Titans in theory. So number one, the Rossini report, what are the motivations for the Titans to have that report get out? It is about shutting down all these whatever conversations, fans, media, etc., about the future of Mike Vrabel. It is about saying to the fans, he is our guy. This hot seat talk is nonsense. Let's 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 try to lower the temperature on that a little bit. That's motivation number one. That's the motivation number one. The the other motivation to your to your point about how the two reports could go together is that Mike Vrabel wants more power. And Mike, and this is every college coaching search in the history of college football, Tennessee fans, how many times did you think Mike Gundy might be a candidate for the Tennessee Volunteers head football coaching job? And every single time, what happens? He gets something out of the negotiation from Oklahoma State, right? From his, He doesn't want to leave his alma mater. He wants to be at Oklahoma State. But you want to know what he wants? A little bit more control and power from the athletic director over scheduling, or over, over how they spend their money on this what this or that or the other thing. 
if there is in fact a disconnect, a question about how Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel are working together, which I think at this point is a very fair question to ask of everybody involved in the building. It wouldn't it behoove Mike Vrabel to leave some things out there, leave some breadcrumbs out there suggesting that maybe he's interested in the Patriots job so that when he sits down with his bosses inside the, the Titans facility, they say, all right, we want to keep you. We want you around. We want to quiet the hot seat talk. What do you want? Oh, maybe I'd like a little bit more personnel control. Maybe I'd like final I say. Mean, how much draft. more can he get? In I'm opinion. just saying, I'm, I'm just, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'm just saying whatever it is that Mike Vrabel wants to put in to his side of the equation, that it would the the they're not conflicting hey i want to be here long term but also i might be interested in this other job what are you going to give me to keep to, to keep me here <laughs> like yeah the, that's very me, normal the, it's not happening it's like it's not happening for now it's not happening until at least in the off season it's not happening unless the patriots find a trade partner for bill belichick or he retires it's not happening unless the patriots are willing to give up a lot in return for Vrabel. that, that last one unless Rabel continues his the losing pattern he's on. Like and it's not happening. Dot dot dot. Rex Rhodes' entire column on the Athletic yesterday was kind of all of this stuff, kind of touching on all of this stuff, but mostly about how the Titans just aren't very good this year. And at the very the very last sentence, Joe, I love you, buddy. The very last sentence, he's like, he's not going anywhere. It'd be stupid for him then to move him. I'm paraphrasing here, etc. 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 And then it says, depending on what the Patriots offer, of course. And it's yeah, the very last it's the very last sentence of his entire column. And it's what a good writer does, which is leave open the back door at the very last second to say all of this is how it should be viewed right now. Unless somebody comes along with three first round draft picks and then you'd be stupid not to take them. So, like, at some point, there is an offer you cannot refuse. I, I Here, think here's my thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to I just want to put one more one more thing on the ran thing. And I I've alluded to this. Uh, there's still more going on on ran. I, I you know, <laughs> OK, let's stay okay. with. I got a lot to get to. <laughs> All right, let's stay with Vrabel then. Okay, so because because right now, like I look at the Greg Bedard report, and I think there's Vrabel and the Patriots, Vrabel and Rand, and then Rand Carthon. Like I think that is your that is the crux of this story is three different parts, and I feel like, and and I think Greg Bedard put it best. Everybody's like, well, the Patriots aren't going to trade a top five pick. Yeah, that's why they trade Bill Belichick to get picks for Mike Vrabel to trade directly to Mike Vrabel for the Titans. So it's not out of the realm possibility that two coaches get traded in the same offseason or something or other. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I will say this. My opinion on this relationship of Mike Vrabel and the Patriots and the relationship of the state of the roster with the Patriots, it, I, I the Patriots have a bad roster. But Here's my thing, and this is my overarching opinion about Mike Vrabel and why he would find the Patriots talk attractive or the Patriots job more attractive than Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel has said for years, for years, about building relationships is so important with his players and with anybody that he comes into contact with. There is no greater relationship that Mike Vrabel has in Nashville compared to what he has in Boston. His relationships are, if I were putting a, 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 a ranking of re strength of relationships and strength of bond and 
strength of the ties that binds him. It goes Patriots, Ohio State, then University, yeah. or then Nashville. Like yeah. he has no real ties here in Nashville other than having a job. I think if you did, if you hooked up Mike Vrabel to a lie detector, his end game has never been retiring Titans head coach. That is not his end game. I, that I is not his you. ultimate goal. And it doesn't mean that right can't now, be, that doesn't mean it can't become that, but it is not. Yes. I don't think it is when he took the job. I'm not sure it is right now as he is looking around him at a new front office, a new roster and a fan base with a very interesting perspective on him. So, yeah, there, there is nothing to me that about that can keep him in Nashville. If that they, there's nothing that really matters. And like Massachusetts doesn't align with Vrabel's, you know, Mitt Romney was the governor. Like, what, you, what does that even mean? Like, Mitt, who cares? Mitt, <laughs> like, Mitt Romney was the coach. Yeah, Mitt Romney was the governor. Move on. <laughs> yeah. The Patriots fan base loves, admires, or respects Vrabel way more than the Titans fan base does, by the way. Yes. You, I mean, yes. you cannot sit here and say that not, like the majority of Titans fans hate fucking Vrabel. Let me point out one thing to Sunmaker. He said, is this news from The Athletic? I haven't seen anything talking about the Carthon-Vrabel relationship. We cannot rehash all of our shows and the article by Greg Bedard. Go listen to the first few minutes of the show, Sunmaker. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just saying we kind of worked through the entire process here. I have been hearing some since training camp that there is a very strained and or not at all relationship between Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel. And some of that was could have been natural and could have been inherent and could have been part of the natural growing process of learning to work together. Some of it could have been approach. And now we're starting to see all this stuff leak out with a lot more other places coming to, you know, to, to mention this. And so I, what I would take, what I think Bedard added to the conversation, and, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to move on to, to Carthon here, but, I guess I need to hold off on that um, because I, I think ultimately the the point I think that's most important here is that it's a very good chance that Mike Vrabel stays here for a very long time. There's a very good chance that he's the head coach of the New England Patriots. That Like all of these things are in play. And when there is this much smoke, there is almost always fire. Now, it doesn't mean that the, the conclusion of the fire isn't going to go like there's going to be a specific conclusion. And you see this with coaching searches all the time with, with Texas A&M and what they just did over the weekend. And, and so, like, just because you're interested in one job doesn't mean you're going to take it. Just because someone else is interested in you doesn't mean they're going to offer it to you. Like, a lot of times this stuff is being played out through these leaks and through these motivational things. And if Mike Vrabel wants more money, wants more control, wants more of something, whatever it is that he thinks he deserves or needs to win more games, this is a way he could leverage somebody else who clearly wants him to, to go to Amy Adams Strunk and say, this is what I need to be a Super Bowl champion coach. I want to make more money. I want X, Y, or Z. And that absolutely could be tied in directly to Rossini's report, which says the Titans want to calm the temperature down and reassure the fan base that Mike Vrabel is one of the best things they fucking have going right now. <laughs> yeah. On the well, thing is, is like, everybody's like, well, there's a hundred million dollars with the Tennessee Titans. Well, there's going to be close to that with the New England Patriots. They're number three in cap space for 2024. They, they right now barring any cuts and everything they're sitting at $75.9 million. Here's the thing though. It's not just about cap space. What is another thing that makes the Patriots job a little bit more attractive than the Tennessee Titans job is that you have better cash flow. It's about cash. It's not just about the cap. It's about what your owner can put up and guess who's building a new stadium. Guess who's a little strapped for cash. 
Guess who needs this and needs that? It's going to be the Titans. So, I mean, the the this Patriots job is not as unattractive as what people want it to be because they want the Titans. Even they want Vrabel yeah. to stay as the Tennessee Titans, I, and I, I don't blame them. But I, it, realistically, no. it's not as bad as what you think. If you get Drake May or Caleb Williams, boom. Yeah, you're, it changes you're also, everything. I, I think the evaluation of rosters is largely overvalued unless unless you have like third year Patrick Mahomes. Like unless you have like the, clearly the guy who could play for 12 years and is going to be a top flight superstar, that makes that job more valuable. Otherwise, all of these jobs are about the same. Stability and ownership to your point, cash flow, location, geography, division, all of these things are like kind of small factors that a coach might consider, but at the end of the day, there are only 32 head coaching jobs in professional football in the world. They are an asset no matter what what your roster looks like. They are a commodity. The the car th- and that that's that's it for me and Vrabel. Um, you know, I I'm I'm good on that. I I think that it's entirely yeah. possible. It makes sense. Uh, you know, you're right. It he it could be him trying to leverage a bigger payday here. It could be him actually trying to get out of Tennessee. To sure, do. It could be either of those things. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens. Either the, someone is leaking some of this stuff out there, and Vrabel has his hand in that. The Rand Carthon comments is where I get a little lost here and there because there, there's a lot to the Rand Carthon stuff. But first, I want to say that heavy-handed and foreseen are two different things. There is nuance in using the word heavy-handed versus foreseen. because, And I get it. Instinctively, your first instinct is going to be to jump to the conclusion that, well, heavy-handed means they were forced. However, apparently, from what I have been told, is that this is like one of the worst kept secrets or a known a known thing that the Tennessee Titans were the the league was involved in some form or fashion with the general manager hiring process because of the Ray Horton joining the Brian Flores and all this, uh, you know, his joining that lawsuit. Mike Malarkey's comments resurfacing about the, his, the 2016 coaching search, that there was probably a nudge, a cajoling. A, a leaning. Of, I, I would call it a, a leaning. leaning. Of let's say that like, here's here's some candidates, choose from one of these candidates. Now, in saying that, I hope it's not true. I would like to think that it's not true, but I also know the NFL gets involved in this kind of stuff all the time. The NFL gets involved, they step in, they have an overreach and all that kind of stuff. To me, though, that that's where my my problems come from him saying there was performance issues in San Francisco, which I just can't get behind. I don't know where who sourced that, where that opinion comes from, if that was even sourced, if that was just his opinion, because they sent him to go to Debo Samuel's house to get them over the hump and and undo the standstill they, they were at. I, I don't agree that he has, and you can even find it on Reddit. You can't find it on message boards. There's not a disparaging uh, remark about his job performance in San Francisco. And to me, I feel like Rand Carthon is not being given due justice in what his duties and abilities and power actually is inside the Titan stadium inside St. Thomas sports park. I, 
you know, when they he first got hired, I was thinking, okay, what's probably 60 40? 60% is Vrabel, 40% is going to be Rand. Based on all the comments that we've had over the last few months, I think it's like 98% of everything that you've seen happen this offseason is Vrabel. 2% is Rand Carthon, and that may even be generous based on what I have seen, heard over these last few months by the Titans' actions, by yeah. various reporting and all this stuff. So my my question is, like, I think that Rand Carthon is qualified. I think he should be given the ability to do his fucking job. And I am very concerned that he's not being given that or he's being viewed in that light. But let me just say this. Let me say this. When Kevin Byard got traded, everybody said, why isn't fans media like, why isn't Rand Carthon coming to the podium, right? Where is he? Where Where is he in all of this? Because normally, normally, a general manager would come out and do a presser after they traded away a stalwart player, right? Well, who came out and handled the press? Who came out and made the statements in public? Mike Vrabel. Why? Because he's your GM. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh Okay, lots to unpack here. Uh, Seekers Beverages, Kingston Group. We love you guys. Seekers Beverages, back-to-back, best liquor store in the city. Use Seekers Beverages and their sister city, Bluegrass, up in Hendersonville. Kingston Group, any problems with your house, talk to the Kingston Group. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Just have a conversation. They will help you. So a lot of comments from you guys on a lot of this stuff. And um, I'll see if I can try to address some of this. There's There's an old, like, sort of, like, journalistic proverb about, when you do talk radio and or podcast. And it's something I generally live by and it's called, I think I feel I know. And there are things that I think there are things that I feel and there are things that I know. And one of the things, for example, that we know about Mike Vrabel is that he loves to hire from within. He loves to develop personnel. He loves to develop coaches. He loves the, he loves the concept. We know that we know, we know that I don't need to sources on that. <laughs> like we know that. Um, I think that Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon have had a tough time figuring out how to work together. And that is not a one, one person problem. I think I I feel that Rand Carthon is equally to be blamed for that based on just stuff. (laughs) Let's just say, um, I, I think it is logical to infer that, and Bedard did as much in his column that the NFL has some priority to your point and some um, incentive for Rand Carthen to have gotten the job. I agree with you. I know he is qualified. I know he deserves a chance to do the job. I, I agree with you on both of those points. I feel that he was not their top candidate. That, that if, if it was exclusively up to Amy and Mike, I feel like maybe he would not have been the choice that doesn't mean he's not qualified it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a chance so it is very complicated to me and i i think it is very fair we've had this conversation before that if you are a guy stepping into the role and you maybe don't think that anyone else was like oh this i was not their top choice that maybe you might be a little put off by that you know 
And so I think there's a lot of things that logically you can connect some dots across a lot of this stuff. Um, what I do not know officially and what I cannot yet figure out is like on a day-to-day back behind the doors, how collaborative are you? I go back to that question. We asked it on October 16th. I asked it at the beginning of the year. I'm asking it now. How well are you working together behind closed doors to make everybody better? And I don't know what's happening there. I don't know. I don't think anyone can report otherwise. Um, well, I, I so. think people are trying to find that question out and they're being, they're, they're getting answers that can't really work out in media, right? Like you, there, there right. are answers that you right. can't really go out and say, Hey, well, this happened, this happened. I, I feel that <laughs> if you were to say, I, I feel that 98% of the moves are Mike Vrabel and someone's like, someone in the the thing, like, why would someone give up this much power to go to the Patriots? Well, he would have more power and, but less time spent on stuff that he doesn't want to have because he would have his guy as GM. Like he would have his, Rand Carthon is not a Vrabel puppet. I guess you could say for lack of a better term. Oh no. But like if he got oh, no. Ryan Calden, he would have his puppet and could focus on coaching, knowing that this guy's gonna do everything that he wants without bucking up or saying anything. Or so Matias support. Matias support. But or I mean, John got pretty good in Arizona right now. So. Or or uh, uh stretch. Like yeah, or stretch. the point the, the point is we can That's say the point. Yes, we can say we don't know. I, I I do not know, nor do I feel, nor do I have any thinking about who was number one. I've got a guess, but my my question is like ultimately, what do we know for sure about Vrabel? He likes to hire his own guys from within, his own personnel, develop those guys, and he wants more control because he doesn't trust John Robinson or didn't like John Robinson or didn't work well with John Robinson. All of those things would would tell you an internal candidate <laughs> would be the person yeah. he would want. And, and this is the other thing about the Rooney rule that like just in general as a concept, like just because a guy happens to or a girl for that matter happens to be white doesn't mean they're not the best candidate. Like it like that's also very important context in here, which sometimes is very lost in this. Absolutely. Do we want more minority coaches and GMs and front office people, females as well, to be getting more opportunities? A million percent. We all agree with that. But it doesn't mean that X, Y and Z person is the best job for X, Y and Z situation. Now, I, I my, the first thing that comes to my mind is the St. Louis Rams drafting Michael Sam. That is that's one of the, that's an uh, to me that's an example of what I think is the I think the Rams made the decision. I think the NFL leaned on him a little bit to make that decision. And I am curious now that Bedard has said as much because I have not ever had any insight into this other than sort of like the internal dynamics in general that the NFL was a part of this. That's a different. That's sort of a different and extra piece to all of this. So I ultimately what matters is Grant Carthon's qualified and he has the job. Yes. Can they make the fucking For thing long, work? How long can they make the fucking thing work? And if you are doing something, either side, if either side is doing something that hurts the relationship from being effective and working, then you are both guilty. This is like my two daughters. Like if you like you may not like the situation, you, you both have to empty the dishwasher. I don't give a shit which one of you likes to do it more or which one of you is older and has can reach the cabinets like you both have to do it and you need to figure it out. Because if you don't, you're both in trouble. 
I got two. I got two final things I want to. I want to throw out there for people to keep their mind open about when you're thinking about all this because I don't want you to put your head in the sand and then be shocked when something happens. <laughs> I don't think that the Tennessee Titans should fire Rand Carthon. I think Rand Carthon can do this job, one hundred percent. I don't even think I know he can. I mean, it's just the the his background, his resume. The, the what he was trusted with in San Francisco, the, the people that have came out uh, talking about him, not just the, the people who uh, he worked with, but the, the players, the people that cover the team, the fans, he could do this job. But if the Tennessee Titans already do not trust him to do the job of a general manager and he has to do or is forced to do whatever Vrabel wants, but still has Vrabel micromanaging because Michael Vrabel does not trust him. If, 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 if this is all true in my opinion, were to get, (laughs) yeah. If Vrabel were to get traded, do we really think that the Tennessee Titans are going to hand over a hundred million dollars and checks and all this stuff to a guy they already showed that they didn't trust technically. If all this Mm, is true. Yeah. If I think, and he, I don't know. That's that's a valid question to ask if they if if they actually trust Rand Carthon. I think that's a valid question to ask. I, they I should. They should, in my opinion, trust him. But if if they let Mike Vrabel get traded or they go and trade him, they have an easy out by saying we're just going to do a complete fresh start, a complete reset. We're going to bring yep. a and a head coach who know each other, like each other, blah, blah, blah. Okay. However, if all of this does turn out true, Vrabel is traded, Carthon is fired, the, the biggest question and concern that I have is, can we actually trust Amy Adams Drunk to make two massive franchise-altering decisions? I don't know. Well, this and is I interesting. So, know. so Jason asked an interesting question. If I were ran and I worked this hard to get to this position, I might be a little pissed about sharing my duties that my previous boss might not have shared. Or if you knew for a fact that you weren't somebody's top choice, for example, that's human nature to be like, well, that kind of sucks. Um, I think this this is an interesting point from Joshua. Does all this sound like a guy we want coaching this team for years to come? He is a good coach, but if he's coming with this much bag, it sounds bad. This is what I've been saying from the beginning, Joshua. I do not believe this baggage is on the Mike Vrabel side of the equation. I don't. I don't. I don't believe the baggage. I don't created. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I th- like that's I think, the thing. That's why I bring up like my my concern is like not is this the head coach that we want? My question concerns now dating back to stuff in 2016. Is this the owner that you want? I, I don't mind the owner yet. I'm not there yet. I, I think it is on the GM to step into this situation and try if collaboration was the term you were preaching the entire time. Both sides were ownership, coach and GM. It is on you to then practice what you preach. And I am not sure, as I've said now on like 12 of these shows, I think the question we should be asking is how collaborative are you behind the scenes? And they're never going to tell you. So, so those of you asking, why doesn't someone ask that in a press conference? What do you think Mike Vrabel's? What do you think the robot version of Mike Vrabel, who's like not a real version of himself, is going to actually say at a press conference? Rand's yeah, you're going to get better answers about Trace Adkins like they asked right, today right. than you are about this answer. So, and to your point about Amy, uh, just remember, gave John Robinson an extension. 10 months later, fired his ass. Uh, January 7th, Mike Malarkey is our head coach for the future. January 15th, 
no longer the head coach. That was like and eight Corey days Curtis later. Corey Curtis had some interesting stuff to say on Friday's uh, Stillman and Company after the day after Thanksgiving about how they used the Rubisky as an excuse because John Robinson wanted Vrabel and didn't want Malarkey. That's what Corey well, Curtis laid out there. Well, Corey, I love Corey. I think he's exactly accurate about that. To be honest with you, uh, also he's he he and Malarkey go back. So I'll just I'll just yeah. I'll just put yeah, it that too. I, it seemed like they <laughs> he, they did. <laughs> uh, but Corey's Corey's well sourced and 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 in all of this. I here's the here's what's good. The good about all of this is this to me. From what I understand about how it's working behind the scenes, is that this is not unfixable. Like that's yeah. the real issue with all of this. Like to me, this is all. It all feels like stuff that can be fixed. The question, I think, it is again about the, the the next question beyond the collaborative question, is the one that I have had, and I think no one really knows. Is is Rand Carthon a top flight general manager in the NFL? And that doesn't matter if he's got. 40% say, 2% say, co uh, Vrabel is his head coach or somebody else. Like, you still have to do the job. You still have to scout players. You still have to work contract extensions. You still have to do all the stuff that the front office does. And the question, I like, I don't think we know. Like, the buyer trade was a smart I mean, move. The, the, you know? Depending on who is responsible for scouting reports, who is responsible on both pro players and free agents and, and players in the draft because you scout both. I would assume he had a hand in creating these profiles for these players outside of Andre Dillard, which apparently is a 100% all on Vrabel pick. Now this is something that apparently has been talked about on other shows or been alluded to elsewhere. And that you, you'd have to go find it. The guy who said it, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I, I, I think that Mike Vrabel wanted Andre Dillard, obviously because he got him. But I don't know if it's one hundred percent pick. But whoever created the draft profiles and and did all like even if he's just a glorified scout, the proof is in the pudding that he's at least a damn good scout. Because more often than not, and we'll talk about this, will lead us into the Panthers game. Nine rookies played yesterday, and they all had big days. And maybe Vrabel made the final choice, but he based it off maybe Rand Cartham scouting reports. I don't know. Right, right, and I and I think. I just think it takes time for a coach to evaluate him. Sometimes it doesn't, but most of the time it does. And I think it takes time to evaluate a general manager. And I just don't think we're anywhere near what we need to do. It's the same thing with like all of the negative of the last 17, 18 games for Mike Vrabel. It cannot overshadow the, the first five and a half seasons of very high level, very, you know, not elite level coaching, but pretty damn close. Um, so I, I think that there's, it's there, it still remains to be seen. Like, how well can these guys and their offices and their staffs work together? And how well do they build a roster? I still think you have to give them another offseason, if not two more, to figure that out. Um, but I don't think this is some sort of like, I truly do not believe that all of this stuff we're talking about, this interpersonal dynamic stuff in the in the building, I don't think it's on Vrabel because I think Vrabel has shown us his ability to be a one-on-one -on -one caring leader of people around him. And it is about connecting with one individual, finding out what makes them work, doing what they doing what he can to make that person successful, being a coach, a teacher, a leader, a friend, a mentor, whatever. Like he is good at that. And I think we know for a fact that he is good at that. The question is, is the other guy buying into that? And I think that is ultimately the the thing that is that no one has an answer for. Uh, only time will yeah. tell. And and frankly, you do not have to be friends in this world to be successful in anything. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't have to be buddies. You just have to be really good at your job. And if Rand Carthon's really good at his job and Mike Vrabel's really good at his job, they will build a winning team. And that's the end of it. And so anyway, uh, the, I, there was clearly smoke. There was clearly fire on this months and months and months ago when we first mentioned it. And certainly a month and a half ago when we went into it more in depth, it is clear that there is a lot more to the story. Um, and we'll see if, how it plays out. We'll see. So there you go. Um, and Joshua, I agree By with the way, you. None of this means that Mike Vrabel won't be Tennessee Titans head coach in 2024. I think he will be. Frankly. He's either, he's either staying or he's traded. Those he's are right, your two options. Right. Yes. Unless yes. he quits and to go to Ohio state. Like that would be there, the only other option. There is no reason to fire a guy that is an asset to another team. That that's stupid. Yes. Uh, Joshua says this, and I do agree, agree with this and we can move on from this at this point. Um, to the, so he was talking to Stoney in the comments and he says, this feels because Stoney said is the solution then to just get rid of Rand and hire and hire Vrabel as the GM. And Joshua says that feels further away from the solution. No one man should have all that power. I tend to agree that it is too much for one person to do. I just don't think it's a little it's, bit Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't think, I think in, you need a general manager and a head coach and they need to work together. I just think that's how you, how you do it in the NFL. So because uh, I okay. think that Rand Carthon has respect around the league. Like that, that is my opinion. I, I love Rand yeah. Carthon. You know, he, he was my one B, the Ian Cunningham's one A of all the candidates they interviewed. And I think that he could do a tremendous job. He has the skills, he has the background. Just let him do what he needs to do and find, find get back to a near 50 50 split because you guys agree and you guys are on the same right. page. Right, right now, they're yeah. not in lockstep. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And again, if there's a huge return on Vrabel, then you maybe you think about trading him. But otherwise, Mike Vrabel's the head coach. Uh, but whatever Sean Payton got plus a couple of picks. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I think you should get more than whatever Sean Payton got. Uh, so I went quickly on the Panthers and the Titans. Titans win 4-0 at home in Nissan Stadium so far. I know the Ravens game technically countered as a home game, but um, they do win the game. Second half, uh, seven consecutive possessions between the two teams that ended in punts. Um, that was not particularly fun to watch. I, here's my ultimate takeaway. I felt like I was watching two teams that were eerily similar, except for one has a pretty good coach and a, a track record of success and a couple of really nice defensive players. And the other one has a now fired coach and very few defensive players and a track record with an owner who's a total knucklehead. But I felt like I was watching two very similar offensive lines, two very young rookie quarterbacks, uh, battle in a very ugly second half um, with some young players in some key positions. It actually felt like I was kind of watching like two very similar teams, but the Titans just have a couple of better pieces. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, I mean, let's let's be honest about this Panthers team. If if your main defensive game plan is to take away Adam fucking Thielen and bracket <laughs> him and make sure that Bryce Young can't throw Adam Thielen like that's your number one decision on defense is that you have to bracket Adam Thielen, then you are playing a horrible roster. I've heard people <laughs> yes. call this a get right game and blah, blah, blah. We don't know if it's a get right game. You can't call something a get right game. If the team actually doesn't get right. Like if the team goes on and does nothing to duplicate or continue the process and trends that they showed in this game, which is, uh, being very efficient and having quick passing, the pass blocking holding up pretty much, the 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 pass rush going crazy on a terrible 
worse than the Tennessee Titans offensive line that still suffered injuries during the game. They had injuries coming into the game, <laughs> suffered injuries during the game. Like if they can't do that against other teams on their schedule, then this was not a get right game. You cannot call this a get right game. This was a game no. was, where the Tennessee right Titans, first half. yeah, the, the Tennessee Titans took advantage of one of the very few teams in the NFL that is worse than them. Yep. And this is Bryce, yep. the Bryce Young, because I've seen a lot of people say, well, Bryce Young is terrible and blah, blah, blah. Bryce Young is in a situation with the head coach didn't want him, who his main receiver, as I just talked about, is Adam Thielen, who has a terrible offensive line that is one of yeah. the worst offensive lines you'll ever see in the NFL. There's only so much Bryce Young can do, okay? I can't put, and Bryce Young made some really great throws when he had time, and they were threading the needles. I'm not here to say whether Bryce Young is going to be good or not right now, but I mean, like, as far as saying that he's shitty, he's not the reason. Oh, Everything he was the best. Him is terrible. He was and arguably he the best player on the been top drafted offense. By Frank Wright, like yeah. David Tepper should never force Bryce Young on Frank Wright. They should have let him draft C.J. Strider, Will Levis, whoever it was to be, because that's the kind of quarterbacks that Frank Wright can work with and has worked with it and found success with his entire career. No, Bryce Young was Bryce Young was the best player on the offense, in my opinion. There was like three or four throws that were just like yeah. Elliot comments about how like oh it looks like Christian I, I caught Christian Fulton sucking at least three times. But the thing is, yeah. is like Bryce Young's best throws were like over the middle and beat Christian Fulton's hand by like an inch on like third and twelve. Like there were a couple of really great Bryce Young throws. I don't think Will Levis would have done anything better for the Panthers in that game in that situation against this Titans defense. So I, my point is, is ultimately I felt like I was watching two versions of it, except for the Titans have a great coach. Like that was the differences. And, and again, I think a better defensive line potentially. So although I, I like Brian Burns, so we'll get to Duncan in a second. I thought the defense played with great energy for most of the game. They got after the quarterback. They kind of did all the things we, we want to see from them, which is pressure the quarterback, create a turnover, get a short field, capitalize with a, with a Derrick Henry touchdown run. Will Levis in the first half was 13 to 17 for 128. And, and I thought that last drive with when he gets the ball with 28 seconds to go and they do sort of the exact things you need to do to get into field goal range, excellent execution on them on their part. I think he missed a ton of throws in the second half. Mm -hmm. I, I think he, he missed open receivers on the backside. He made he missed the, the more throw into double coverage should have been thrown 15 yards earlier. And it's a wide open pass. He threw one that he does this once a game where he throws the ball into what looks to be an interception and the guy just drops it. Uh, I know it would have been a tough catch by the linebacker, but largely stared down Hopkins and threw it right into the arms of a defensive player. Gets away with it because the player doesn't drop it because uh, the guy drops it. I, I think he he said it as much. He was very, very disappointed in how the offense played in the second half, and I think they can be better. They could do better across the board, but I, I think you're going to get some of that stuff with a rookie quarterback, but Mike Vrabel has largely said he continues. He always points out the things he needs to be better on, don't float it to Tajay Spears and get your running back hurt. Don't don't do this. Make a better read here. Don't that one's popped wide open. Don't miss that throw. He says all that stuff, but then he starts every conversation with largely. I think he's showing the progress we want to see from him, and I think that's kind of where I'm at with with Will Levis. I thought he was again. He looked the part of a starting quarterback. He didn't screw it up. He didn't nope. make the big mistake to ruin the game. And, you know, again, I think the first half where they capitalized on some opportunities and got themselves a lead. And then, you know, he just missed a bunch of throws in the second half. That's what I thought. So I don't know where you were. Yeah, I mean, it was it was I still thought that he played well. And like in the in the big 
our big question has always been, you know, do you have a guy you can build around? And I, and I think you do. And I think that Will Levis could be a starter in this league where he's at on the upper echelon of NFL quarterbacks, what his ceiling is. I think we don't have an answer on that, but like, I think you got a guy that can get open. I mean, like, you know, Andrew Cooper says no one is open because none of the weapons can separate. Well, that's been disproven. If you look at next gen stats since Will Levis has taken over, they and I talked about it, I believe, on this show Wednesday. Yep, yep, you did. You did. Um, about how they have four players way over the NFL average of separation when they're targeted. Kyle Phillips was open a lot that game, and Will Levis didn't even look his way. We saw DeAndre Hopkins break open for a deep, what would have been a touchdown. And Wide again, open. Separation. And he did not target him. So this idea that no one is open because none of the weapons can separate is a, a farce and not rooted in reality. Now, I'm not saying that you have a bunch of Tyreek Hills and Jalen no, Waddles yeah. out there, but you have guys that get open and he has sometimes not looked their way. Other times he has dropped it in the bucket. I mean, you got to remember that one pass to Chig. Chig had really good separation in and that he got, game. And he, and, he got, and he got plastered in the face in that on that play yeah. as well. So this idea that <clears throat> that these guys, when they're targeted, are not separated is, is false. It's I mean, Tajay, Tajay, Spears, Tajay Spears is wide open on that play. Yeah. Like, he's wide open. Yeah. Levis has to Don't put forget it all that. Even before Will Levis, people were getting open and right. were getting missed by Ryan Daniels. So this idea... It's just, it, like I said, I mean, they don't have all these guys that are, you know, super fast and super speedy, but they have guys that are quick enough to get open. And I'm not saying slow and separation are it's not different. the same thing. Uh, quickly, Pretty Boy Kelly says he didn't have many opportunities in the second half, only nine passes. I would say that was Will Levis's fault. If you look at the first three drives, uh, they went four plays, 17 yards, incomplete pass on third down, bad throw, bad read, in my opinion. Four, four plays, 25-yard drive. First play on that drive was that corner route, that smash route to Hopkins. Great play. They get a first down. Then he goes two incompletions, one of which was on a third down where he misses, makes a bad read. The next drive, four plays, 27 yards, punt. Also, good first completion, first play, first completion there on the first on first down. Two two drives where they started with first down throws. Levis made good throws on those two play action passes. Duncan was actually pretty good on both those plays. And then on third down, he makes the bad decision and the team gets stopped. So I, I thought Levis was part of the problem in those third down situations. And part of the reason he didn't have a lot of opportunity is that he made bad reads and a couple of bad throws. That's going to happen when you're a rookie quarterback. It's okay. It worked out in this situation because the Panthers are so fucking bad that they were, and they, they were able to win the game. So I, I want to ask you about Duncan. I agree with you about the receivers. They're not great receivers. No one suggests that they are, but the scheme is getting them open. And, and that's not about being faster or slow. Uh, Jalen Duncan, I, here's my first quick takeaway, and then I want you to go on it with, with some, some analytic stuff. I thought he was clearly caught off guard by the speed of the game and the speed of Brian Burns early in the game. He did have a, a false start later in the game. I don't think he should have gotten called for that, frankly, because there was an inside blitz that, that, that got him to jump a little bit. thought that was silly. Um, but as the game went along, it felt like he was sort of getting his feet underneath him a little bit. So without looking at the tape super deep, just watching the game twice, felt like he got caught up by the speed of things early in the game and then kind of settled in as the game went along. And I think you're seeing the athleticism and he's got a long way to go. But I think, man, he certainly looked better in times than Andre Dillard did. 
<laughs> well, I mean, the stats don't lie. I mean, he only had, I think, uh, allowed maybe two or three pressures, which in the big scheme of things, none of those were a sack, right? Like one sack allowed, and that was by Dylan Radens. And, you know, Dylan Radens also had like two false starts. He continues to have false starts, penalties, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I, I got two things I want to say. First, let's start with Dylan Radens. I think we can all see now why Radens has been playing at guard instead of tackle. I don't think this this team <laughs> or the staff is as stupid as whatever may made him out to be, including myself at times, that they kept putting him in at guard during these practices. They really kind of avoided putting him in at tackle. And I talked about it heading into the game. Raiden has a 3.1% sack rate, 16.3% pressure rate, which is the worst out of him, Daly and Dillard. Look, two things can be true. Raiden's isn't a tackle. But he is and has been their best option at a tackle spot up until this point. <laughs> yeah. I Two things can be true. Yep. The other thing is Jalen Duncan wasn't always pretty, but he won a lot of one-on-ones with Brian Burns. He won more often than not in how they attacked him. Um, I thought he allowed at least one sack, but I guess they're putting that on either coverage or Will Levis. Um, but for a six-round rookie, that was extremely, extremely raw coming into this year as a six-round ro- rookie. He did a lot better than anyone else has played that spot, including Raidens. Like, he did a better job at left tackle than anybody else they put in that spot in the last two years. Here's my idea. Let Duncan get some quality reps at left tackle the rest of the way, and then you draft Olu or Alt, put Duncan at right tackle, Two problems solved at once. There you like, go. In other words, Liz Duncan becomes yeah. suddenly unstoppable as the year goes on. <laughs> he can't be the answer at left tackle right, for 2024, right. but he can be an answer for possibly right tackle. Well, and even on the play you mentioned where Chig was wide open down the sideline at the in, in the first half, the, the Levis floats it certainly and gets destroyed. Well, he got destroyed because Brian Burns beat Jalen Duncan off the edge very cleanly. And I agree with Jake where Jake says Duncan has to get in his pass into his drop set faster and his hands are inconsistent. But when you're that athletic, you can make mistakes and still be effective. I, I thought, to me, it looked like he wasn't being quick enough at the beginning of the game. And the speed of things just t- took him by surprise. Like, it just felt like, oh, shit, I'm in the NFL now. <laughs> like, And that's not, I know that's not the case because he's played some snaps in the past. And I get that. But it just felt like Brian Burns in particular can do that to you because of how fast and explosive he is. But I think you're right. I think play him at left tackle the rest of the way. See what you got. Then you've got a battle at right tackle next year between NPF and Duncan, and you draft your left tackle of the future, and then you've got your left side of the line set for the next 10 years. I in a, If Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel can do, their, can do their jobs, um, they can pick the right guy at the right spot and and get him and plug him in the way they did with Skaronsky. Um, and so I, I, but I saw promising stuff. I thought, you know, I don't think it was great. I think there's a lot of flaws. A lot of times he got beat and, a lot of things where I go, okay, all right, let's see, let's see if you can develop that. Let's see if you can develop that. And um, you got to put, you got to put back to back to back weeks and tapes together. So, yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I saw the stat on the broadcast. Derek Henry, uh, at the time of the, the stat, I think it was in the second half. Um, Fifty of his one hundred and fifty-eight carries had been contact behind the line of scrimmage. That's one out of three carries is behind the line of scrimmage. That's he's in, still well heading into the game. He was averaging 2.4 yards before contact, which is one of his better actual stats uh, running the ball, but it's also league average. Yep. So yep. just p- to put it in a, to, to terms so everybody can understand, he's not getting anything better or worse than most of the running backs in the league that have seen 40 plus touches. 
And on top of that, Tim Kelly never said they're creating massive run lanes. They're creating enough space for him to take advantage of, and he has not been taking advantage of it. Two things could be true. Two two, th- two things that may appear contradictory can be true at the same time. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, uh, everything is true about both of those companies, so remember those names, of course. Make sure you support good local businesses the way they support us and you guys and the Tennessee Titans. Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville, their sister store, Bluegrass up in Hendersonville, and the Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm um the home and road thing real fast i just want to point out one thing i think it's complete anomaly i think it's completely situational based um oh and five this season the titans are against teams with winning records i'm not sure they've played one at home which means they haven't that they had joe burrow on an injury they might be a far better coach team or they are a far better coach team than the chargers uh they they played the falcons in one game (laughs) Uh, and then they played the Panthers in another game. And then the road games, you're like, oh, they're playing the Browns, one of the best defenses in the NFL. You're playing the Steelers on short rest with a rookie quarterback. Like the, the Ravens are the best team in the AFC right now, record wise. And you had to play in London uh, and Ryan Tannehill got hurt. I think it's all, it's all situational. Like it's all just it just has worked out the way it is. I don't think there's any explanation. Like there was nobody in the building on Sunday. So it sure as hell was not home field advantage. <laughs> so don't so don't tell me that it was home field advantage for the Titans on Sunday. So there was there was there were a lot of empty seats. It was not a there was not yeah. a not a lot of crowd shots yeah. on the TV. Well, I mean, to be fair, the Panthers aren't going to travel. So when when traveling fans make up you know half yeah. a, over half of the people in your stadium, you're not going to see a lot. Yeah, and your team's on a bad stretch, so it, it makes sense. Um, okay. Uh, quickly here, uh, we could spend a lot more time on this, but make sure you tune in. Full 40 Sports YouTube page. Please give us a subscription. Uh, SEC Football Live on Tuesdays at uh, noon Central Time. We're going to dive a lot further into a lot of this stuff. But just, um, I was on the couch with my daughter who got to stay up kind of late and watch the end of the game. We were watching the Iron Bowl, and my wife and I are, are laying there with my daughter, and uh, the little one's asleep, and the grave digger, which is my favorite new name in the iron bowl rivalry, which is the name of the play. Of course, that Alabama runs at the end of the game grave digger, uh, happens. And I, I, I literally fall off the couch laughing. Like I'm just laughing. Like I couldn't stop. La- I was just laughing. Yeah, it, was un- it was unbelievable. What I, was, a, I mean, throw in a catch. Immaculate. I, br- brilliant throw, brilliant catch. Great call. I was laughing. And my daughter looks at me and she's like, what, why are you laughing? And I was like, I didn't want to try to explain to her the entire Hugh free saga. In, in, <laughs> to a seven-year-old, but I was just like, of course, this is what's going to happen. Like Auburn looked like a good enough team to have won the game for 59.9 minutes or whatever it was. And just to, to, they ran a, t- they called a timeout to run that shitty ass defense. <laughs> and it could not happen to a better guy in Hugh Freeze. Uh, I don't, again, Somehow, some way, people are making this Alabama team likable, and I don't know how it's happening. But watching the crowd shots of the Auburn fans—oh, it was—it was beautiful. Afterward, I was like, I, my heart went out to a lot of people. But my God, why do you run a spy on the, when the, they have to go thirty-one yards? Like, why do you why are you spying the quarterback? I don't understand. I mean, and listen, Jalen Milrow did not have a good game up to that point. He was making questionable decisions. He was being very indecisive. Is almost like the Jalen Milrow you saw at the beginning of the year. It is after he has turned it on and turned it up and become this this fantastic college football player to watch. He had a bad game. 
but you're not going to find like for an Alabama perspective for an Alabama fan, it's going to be so nice that the end of the Alabama Auburn montages is not going to be the kick six anymore. It's now going to be, I call I'm going to call it shaken, not stirred because uh, Isaiah bond, but it's going to be that grave digger. Play. It's grave digger. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but I, to me, it's just like, I'm so glad that the kick six is not going to end those montages anymore. Like the last now, the last yep. part yep. is going to be yep. the fourth and 31 play. I mean, Isaiah Bond made a spectacular catch on the ball. Little, it was very push. easy for him. Little push. He made a spectacular <laughs> move. Jalen Milrow was right on the money. Like that was because I was already done. Like I'm watching the game with Lauren. I'm done. I'm distraught. I said, I cannot believe that we are going to be lose, losing to Auburn of all things. And I've already sent out a text saying, or sent out a message on uh, X out there say, talking about like, you know, it wasn't his best game and I wasn't blaming him for the loss or anything, but it wasn't his best game. Then here he goes. He makes that play. Like as soon as I sent that and yeah. I'm just like, cause I wasn't going to blame the refs. A lot of people want to blame the refs after a yeah. loss like this. I ain't blaming the refs. No, Auburn, Auburn earned it, man. Auburn was kind of, I don't want to say the better team for most of the game, but they earned it. They, they, they had played well enough to be in the situation to win the game. And they got Alabama the previous snap. Of course, he's running around across the line of scrimmage and throws a pass. Like, what are you doing? Fourth and thirty-one. I understand if you're gonna if you're gonna only blitz two guys, I get it. But you better have every other person in the end zone though at that point because you're they they, they left a guy spying the quarterback. Jalen Milrow is not going to run thirty-one yards to the end zone. So if you're going to spy the quarterback, either blitz him after you see that it's like go get him, go track him down like an aggressive spy, or be a really 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 backed up spy so that you don't have single coverage in the back corner of the end zone on fourth and fucking thirty-one. Yeah, and Unbelievable. You called a, and you called a timeout to then run that play on defense. I don't understand. I don't understand. And again, it is Auburn, and this is not personal towards you, Zach. I was trying to explain to my daughter why I would why we would root for Auburn traditionally in the Iron Bowl. Like I would always root for Auburn traditionally because of the Tennessee-Alabama yeah. thing, and Alabama's right. been great. But if uh, Auburn did not have all of these people that are so hard to root for, <laughs> it would be so much easier to just root for Auburn. But they have people like Hugh Freeze all the time, and it makes it so easy to just be like, and to just fall off a couch laughing my ass off at Auburn losing a game like that because of Hugh Freeze. Like, you get what you pay for. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm still laughing today. I'm still laughing today. Now, it's, it's better. Insane. It's better for the playoff if Alabama had lost because now Alabama is still very much alive for the playoff, and that could be really, really complicated and chaotic this weekend. Um, but otherwise, man. Uh, there's so much coaching absurdity in the SEC, and we'll wrap up on this note real quickly. I think Mike Elko, and we'll do more of this on Thursday. I think Mike Elko at Texas A&M is a pretty pretty smart hire. Uh, I think they got there in a weird way with the whole Mark Stoops. Like, you know, the directors thought they hired Mike Stoops and then Mark Stoops, and then everybody didn't like it, and so they backed out, and then they, they hire Mike Elko. I think they got the right guy eventually. Mike Elko's a, their Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, except for he's a... And he's actually been a head football coach is a nice guy and actually a very, very good defensive mind. So none of those things apply to Jeremy Pruitt, but I get what you're saying. Uh, Jeff Levy at Mississippi state. I'm not sure. I understand. I'm not sure I get that one. Uh, he used to be a coordinator for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He's the offensive coordinator, at Oklahoma, very smart offensive mind. I don't know. I, I have no idea. That's not, it would not have been a top choice, but, but we'll see. And we'll do some more analysis of that uh, on Thursday as well. Cause 
I think there's going to be more movement in the coaching ranks throughout the course of the week. NFL, maybe college as well. Uh, otherwise, man, what a weekend. <laughs> what a weekend. It was crazy. It was wild. Wild weekend. Never a dull moment covering football, especially in the South. Okay. Uh, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group. We do appreciate you guys in the comments as well. Uh, yes, Andrew, on a positive note, the Titans can still make the playoffs. So we'll just end it right there. Stackintheinbox.com, football and other F-words, all the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network. Jump onto that YouTube page and give us a subscription. We really appreciate it. Lots of previews up there for college football as well. Uh, you got all the other shows from Broadway Sports Media. So lots of really good stuff there, uh, of course, on the page. So there you have it. More on Thursday on the SEC Absurdity and the future of the Titans organization and what's taking place. So we'll get we'll talk to you guys then. Other than, other than that, thanks for hanging out. For Zach, I am Braden. Have a great weekend. Everybody.